Hi there, I'm Sheena and this is the Lesbian Review Podcast. This podcast is a spin-off of the popular review site thelesbianreview.com where we review the best books with leading lesbians, bi or queer women. This season is focusing on getting hot and heavy by talking about sex in lesfic. We will be covering a range of topics and chatting to author guests. I'm Sheena, my pronouns are she, her, and today I'm joined by two of the TLR team members, Tara. Hi, thanks for having me. My pronouns are also she, her. I'm Jeannie, and my pronouns are also she and her. Today we are talking about sex in lesbian fiction specifically. Now this is a hot topic for many reasons, but... One of the things is that people, there's this, there seems to be quite an expectation for on-page sex in, in Lesfic. I just want to start off with a TLR patron listener comment. Patrons get the opportunity to comment on podcasts before I make them. So this is what Ro Fetterman says. She says, I feel it's very important to have sex scenes in books. I hate the fade to black or no sex. Thanks, Ro. That's a great way to introduce this podcast. So let's talk about the actual difference between having the graphic sex and not having the graphic sex, between what's traditional romance and what's erotic and what's erotic romance, and where does it all come in? I'd, I'd like to say a few things about that, because it is a there are a lot of people who don't understand that there truly is a difference, and I think it would help readers to understand what the differences are. And a traditional romance as a lot of people do know, it's a genre, and there are guidelines to it that an author, for the most part, has to follow, some more stringent than others. But the three main ones are, there have to be two main characters that are involved with one another that are in a romantic relationship. The relationship itself, the romance, has to be the main plot. There can be some subplots, but the main plot has to be stand out as the romance. And, of course, the one that everybody knows about is it has to have a happy ending, a happily ever after, or at least a happily for now. Those are things that we as authors have to abide by. And the indie authors have a lot more, they have a lot more flexibility because they can write and publish pretty much anything they want. But if you're going through a traditional publishing house, I know with my publishing house, we're expected to fit those three criteria for traditional romances. And then the amount of sex that we have in the romance is up to us and up to our comfort level and up to really up to the characters as well. Because some characters, it wouldn't be in character for them to leap into bed with somebody in the first chapter. Whereas in you know, other characters, that might be the case. But the other thing you have to be careful of in a traditional romance is you can't have your main characters actually having on-page sex with a lot of different people other than the person they're going to end up with. So you walk a fine line with that. And it's doable because certainly we do have tons of romance novels that have an abundance of sex in them. So it's just a matter of understanding the do's and don'ts of it. And then an erotic romance, the difference between an erotic romance and a traditional romance is that the sexual content of the romance in an erotic romance. If you took the sex scenes out where you didn't actually get to see the two main characters having sex and what they explore during sex, the plot wouldn't hold together. And that's actually the main stipulation between a traditional romance and when a book crosses over into erotic romance. And can I give some examples? Yeah, go ahead. A lot of people would agree that Megan O'Brien is probably the top erotic romance writer right now, or close to the top. And she certainly is one that a lot of people are familiar with. And so her book, Her Best Friend's Sister, the plot of that book, the two main characters, one of them is extremely experienced sexually, and the other one is, you know, kind of a intellectual geeky character that is very insecure in that area and really hasn't explored that much at all. And so a lot of them building their relationship and a lot of them growing together takes place in her learning from the other character, from her best friend's sister. And so if you took those scenes out and a lot of their intimacy is also built during that time. So if you took those scenes out, the main plot, it would be a lot weaker 
I think in that case, it you could probably do it, but it wouldn't be as strong of a book as that book is. One thing I would add to that too, is if you're reading an erotic romance, it's essential that the sex scenes are informing the relationship development itself as well. Right. Absolutely. You know, and because in a romance, whether it's erotic or traditional, the romance itself is the main plot. And so, yes, Tara, what you, what you said is, is absolutely true. And that should be true, really. Well, in an erotic novel, it doesn't have to be true. You know, an erotic novel, it's a lot of erotic novels don't even incorporate a romance into it. But certainly in traditional and erotic romance, that should be true of any sex scene. It should further the building of the relationship in one way or another. So I think that's... And then an erotic... Go ahead. Oh, well, maybe you were going to say the thing I was just about to say, so maybe I should let you go. <laughs> in an, I was just going to add in what, what sets aside an erotic novel from the other two. Does that... Yeah, that was exactly what I was going to say. I have kind of what I think about it, but I'm not sure where you lie on it. For me, the reason I say the... I, I get your point about how the relationship is the plot, but my the way I explain it is an erotic romance, the relationship is driven by the sex. An erotic novel, the plot is driven because it can have nothing to do with a relationship at all. It could just right. be... It could be somebody who goes through different partners, or maybe it's one partner, but that relationship doesn't end up making it for whatever reason. There is no requirement of a happily ever after or any kind of an optimistic ending there. But the sex is absolutely essential to what's going on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that, that for the most part, covers what I was going to say. They're really, the plot, like you said, doesn't have, doesn't have anything to do with the sex itself, usually. And a couple examples of erotic novels, just, just to establish that difference. One that I read recently, it just came out toward the end of 2019, is called In Helen's Hands by a new author named Nanisi Barrett Diarmuk. If I've, I've probably butchered that name, but that's the best I can do. <laughs> but um, it's, it's very much an erotic novel, not a romantic not an erotic romance. It does follow a relationship between two women who fall in love with each other, but they don't end up together and it does it does not have the happy ending. And when I first read it, I was I had to sit with it for a couple of weeks and really look at okay, then what was the actual plot of this book? And what I realized the actual plot of the book is more of a personal journey by the point of view character. And she does grow a lot and she learns a lot. And this is a very extreme book. I will, I want to put that out as a, as a trigger warning. It, it, the relationship is a heavy duty BDSM relationship. And the one character is, already in that lifestyle and the point of view character comes into that lifestyle and, and learns about it from her. And so it's, it's not a, it's not a light read at all for people who do enjoy BDSM plot lines. It's very, very good and it's well-written, but it does stand out really clearly as an example of what we're talking about here as an erotic novel. And, and they do, it's interesting because they do fall in love and they, you know, it's very much a romantic relationship within the context of the BDSM dynamic, but it is, it is not a romance in any way, shape or form. And so, but it was a really interesting read. I enjoyed it. So let's just recap quickly. So romances don't need sex, but they need a happy ever after. The romance itself needs to be the primary plot and it needs to be at least two people falling in love with each other. Not at least two people. Two people. You don't consider a, 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 a trio romance? I do. I'm talking about the guidelines for a traditional romance. And I do have a couple titles on my list to mention today that go into poly relationships that I think are beautiful love stories. Okay. But from a traditional standpoint, they're not considered romances because they have more than two people. Okay. Erotic romance, the 
character development and plot development is reliant on the sex scenes. If they get removed, the romance doesn't make sense, the arc doesn't make sense, and neither does the character growth. Erotic novels are there to titillate, and the story is driven by the sex and not necessarily the romance, and don't expect a happy ever after. Not ne- Yeah, not necessarily. And I don't know that they're written only to titillate, because like I said, the one that I used as an example and a couple other ones that, that I've enjoyed, there is more of a purpose to the book than just to titillate. Like in Helen's hands, like I said, it's a very powerful personal journey on the POV character's part. And so it's not just to titillate, as you said. It does, if you're into that kind of sex, it does very much. But that's not necessarily true. Of, and I guess there are some erotic novels that that's their only purpose, but that's not necessarily a criterion for uh, erotic novel. That's a really interesting point of view. Because I would have thought that the entire point of erotic content in an erotic novel was to titillate. Not necessarily. Mm-mm. Tara? Not, not necessarily. I think it offers different opportunities for exploring communication and vulnerability that you don't necessarily have in a traditional relationship, especially if you get into BDSM fiction, because then there's a strong element of, of trust. And how, how does that get explored in a way that I don't think traditional romance offers? I'd agree with that. Yeah. Okay. All right, cool. So let's talk about why it's important to have graphic sex in lesbic. This goes back decades because it wasn't even legal, you know, for a woman to have sex with another woman. Like being being gay, whether you're a man or a woman, wasn't legal. And so, you know, our lives were only represented on the pages of trash novels, of those, you know, ephemeral lesbian pulp, unless you want to say like the occasional one before that, like The Well of Loneliness. And so when lesbian romance was being established, it was a firmly political act to write these sexually explicit, joyfully explicit books where, you know, the the love was celebrated and that was a really empowering and wonderful thing. I think it's still important. I think it's unfortunate that there's an expectation now in every single book so that for people who don't want to write it, their books don't necessarily get celebrated to the same degree. That's interesting. Why is it important today? Is it even? Yes, to everything Tara said, and certainly the historical aspect of it. I don't think, I think it's more necessary today to have a diversity of representation in lesfic. I I think, like Tara said, when lesfic first started, it was very important to have the graphic sex scenes because it it told us, it showed us we're not, hey, we're not alone in this. And it it was a political statement. It was a stand. And it said, you know, we won't be marginalized. And and I think because it started out as being that important, I think that's where the current expectation comes in. And there are a lot of people who enjoy graphic sex scenes. And, you know, I'm one of them. I, I really enjoy a book that has a lot of really good sex scenes in it. But I know I recognize there are a lot of people who don't. I've even had a few reviews of my books saying that, you know, oh, this story was so lovely. It was going along fine. And then we had to have the obligatory graphic sex scene. And, you know, the, the, the person who reviewed it just skipped over, which I'm not offended by at all because I do write graphic sex scenes. But I understand not everybody's into that. And so, you know, I, I applaud the authors. You know, an author has to follow what they're comfortable with. She's, she's got to do what works for her. And one of the titles I wanted to bring up today was a title that I read because the blurb sounded so good. And I didn't realize the author does not write sex scenes. It's Spring Holly Home by A.E. Radley. And I loved the book. The story was really, really strong. The characters were good. The conflict between the characters was very well done, but there was no sex in that whole book. And I I was at least at the end waiting for that final sex scene that you get sometimes when the rest of the book didn't have it. And it didn't happen. And I was so frustrated 
by the end of the book. And then I listened to a podcast where A.E. Radley was interviewed and she said, I don't write sex scenes. And it's like, okay, good to know. And I think that's important for readers to understand is, you know, to find the author that writes what you want to read. And fortunately, there are more authors coming forth with fade to black sex scenes or the authors that are exploring the asexual characters and the uh, everything that takes place on that spectrum. You know, so I think I think we're just at the beginning of an explosion of, of that kind of diversity coming out of what Tara spoke of, the, the historical basis of graphic sex in lesbian novels. One other thing I would add, because Sheena, you asked specifically about is sex important in lesbian, and you didn't say lesbian romance. So I think that's, again, we've talked about it on a bunch of different podcasts in the past. But I think, unfortunately, people who are writing books that fall under kind of that lesbian banner, but aren't necessarily romance, also tend to get dinged because not all lesbian fiction is romance. And that is okay. But because we have this little microcosm of the greater publishing industry happening, all, you know, sort of to the side in our little walled garden of Bold Strokes and Bella and Ilva and the indies that have also kind of gathered around under this tent, romance is still the largest driver within that. It sells the most, and that's just a fact. But that means that people who are writing thrillers and sci-fi and general fiction and historical can often buy the other readers in our community, um, you know, they can get lower ratings from them because, well, the romance wasn't that good in this book. A great example of that is Katie Williamson's Pink, which is a general fiction. There's a lot of sex that happens in that book. It's not a romance. It was never marketed as a romance. In fact, I think Kim, when she was promoting it, was like, hey, everybody, this book is not a romance. You can't see me because we're, (laughs) but I was just like waving really big with my hand (laughs) just to pretend to be like Kim. (laughs) And I think that's where it becomes a bigger question of do readers require sex in every book that they're reading, regardless of genre? And I don't think that's a question that lesbian readers think about because they just think everything is romance. And unfortunately, that does a disservice to so many books. Like, last year I read, I really hope I get the title right, but I believe it's Two Wings to Fly Away by Penny Micklebury. If you look on the Bywater site, you look for Penny Micklebury. It's her release last year. And it takes place in the later 1800s during, you know, just before um, the Civil War and their slave catching and all this stuff. There's no explicit sex on the page. It would have been wildly inappropriate. It wouldn't have fit within the book. But I'm sure there were still some readers who were dissatisfied because they thought they were picking up. It's a lesbian. Where's the sex at? Same thing, Anne McMahon. After her first book, she didn't write sex scenes anymore. Where's the sex at? They're still great books. But even in romance, it doesn't necessarily have to be there. I understand there's a market appetite for it, and I don't think we're going to start to create our own new, like, inspirational section of Christian romances with no sex on the page for lesbians, but, like, that's kind of what it would turn into? It would be this whole, like, light of inspi if we took all the sex out of romance? Well, okay, so I have many thoughts on these things. First of all, (laughs) because there is this expectation by and not everyone but a large portion of lesbian readers tlr has actually started creating expectation tags where we tag whether or not the book has got graphic sex scenes this way you go in expecting exactly what you're gonna get so that you're not disappointed like genie it took us a while to get here because honestly i could care less whether or not it's got sex if it's sex fits good for them if it doesn't i probably won't remember that it didn't <laughs> Mm-hmm. Same. Which is why I have Tara and Jeannie on today, because they pay way more attention to sex than I do in this regard. <laughs> Having said that, though, I do think that sex in romance, in lesbian, is very important for baby dykes. Because it's positive representation of a loving sexual encounter that you don't get anywhere else. Let me have it, Tara. Yes. <laughs> well, and I mean, in that... she knows what I'm going to say this is one of my hobby horses yes I think that's true I mean it's just as true as it is for um, 
straight kids or kids who might end up in opposite sex pairings picking up, you know, mainstream romances with opposite sex pairings. And I think the one thing that mainstream romance has done really well years ago that we need to catch up to is showing safer sex practices because we rarely see conversations between protagonists or frankly between a character and anyone else before they have sex asking have you been tested are you safe you know having gloves or any other kind of a barrier it's so rare that there's any kind of a health related thing there might occasionally be a condom on a dildo and even when that happens i just want to like jump for joy because it's important lesbians can get stis too everybody can get STIs because you don't know who somebody else has been with. Anything can happen. And that's the one thing that we're not modeling super well. And we can be damn sure that lots and lots of schools aren't teaching either because sex education for the most part is still not queer inclusive. Absolutely. So this is my plea <laughs> to all the lesbian authors. Consider consider writing this in. I recently read the book Providence by Lee Hayes, and I was thrilled to see a conversation about testing. I could not believe it. It happened after they had had sex the first time, but it happened at all. Like, that was still important. <laughs> it's better than nothing. It's a start, right? <laughs> yes. I think it's something we shouldn't be afraid of because I know I've seen people before. I'm not going to I'm not going to name the author's name talking about how they won't do it because they don't want to take away from the fantasy. And that's something that mainstream romance had to grapple mm -hmm. with more than a decade ago. Like how sexy is it to like pull out a condom and put it on or talk about testing or talk about birth control. But somehow they managed to do it and their sales still happen. Right? It's become normalized. And I think that that is important, especially when a lot of your primary education around how to have sex and what does sex actually mean is from lesbian. I'm not even going to lie. That's where I learned about lesbian sex completely. So I am completely behind the idea of safe sex practices and just kind of normalizing it because this is a sector where the information isn't actually prevalently available in traditional spaces. It's also like a lot gentler to learn about safe sex practices when you're reading a nice romance. Well, it's more fun for one thing. It, I mean, yes, gentler, but it's just more fun to learn about it through a story you're into than sitting in a class where somebody's droning on about it. And putting condoms on bananas or whatever it is. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yes. Much useful. They're all just like bananas. I, I want to say two things. First of all, Tara, you will be happy with the book, I, my new book, in the context of what you're saying. Wait, is it my book? It's your book, yes. Yes! You need, okay, to, <laughs> you need to fill in readers. What does all of this mean? Okay, what this means is <laughs> a long time ago, I wrote a review on Goodreads for, oh my God, what's the name of the book now, Jeannie? Em embracing the dawn. I'm the worst for embracing That's the okay. dawn. That's okay. Believe me, you've done your part to promote that book, so I will fill in anything you forget. Okay, so I actually was a proofreader, so I, I couldn't review it at TLR, but I reviewed it on Goodreads, and then Amy and I did a podcast about it where we just babbled excitedly about it, and we said we would love to see a book for these two side characters, Taylor and Gwen, and Jeannie said, okay, and she wrote it, and it's coming out soon. I'm writing it. Oh. <laughs> and it has a conversation about testing and Hooray! various things. So you will be I'm you will be happy it. with it. <laughs> yes. Nice. High five to you, Jeannie. <laughs> the, the other thing I wanted to address, um, Tara brought up the aspect of fantasy. Romance is fantasy. And in terms of the Baby Dyke, conversation and and really anybody who is learning about women to women sex from fiction you know it's important to remember that romance is fantasy romance novels are fantasy and so the sex in them is always really really good even the first time sex you know there you very very seldom see sex scenes where they're fumbling around and trying to figure out 
what to do. And, you know, occasionally you come across a conversation if somebody has never had sex with another woman where they say, tell me what you want, which is always good, you know, the communication aspect. But, you know, generally I, I think, and I think even hetero romance years ago ran into this too, is that sometimes it can set up an expectation of what a relationship, you know, relationship, you meet somebody and you fall in love and you have all this incredible sex. And then there's, you have one fight that kind of splits you up, but then you resolve it and you get together and you get to live happily ever after. And it doesn't address everything else about a relationship. It doesn't address really getting, a lot of them don't address getting to know each other sexually and that sort of thing. So I, I think that's something I'd like to drop in here on the you know, what, what to expect. Yes, it's fun to read lesbian romance and to read all the sex scenes and stuff, but there's still going to be some work involved in, in our own lives as far as the reality of relationships and the reality of sexual in- encounters and lovemaking and all of that. So I just want to drop that in, in the educational part of for the baby dykes. First of all, I just want to thank you for actually including Anyone who's learning about the woman loving woman space, I defaulted to baby dykes, but I absolutely don't only mean young people because there are more and more older women coming to terms with their attraction to other women. Uh, so thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. And you know, there are a lot more people. I mean, I didn't, I didn't come out until my thirties, mid thirties. So, you know, I had a, whole lot of stuff I didn't know when it came time to to doing that so but anyway did you did you find lesfic at all helpful with that I hadn't discovered lesfic at the time I had my first encounter my first sexual experience with another woman but she hadn't either so it didn't matter (laughs) the woman that I actually fell in love with several years later she's actually the one who introduced me to at the time Niad Press and everything they were putting out. It was before Bella and before Bold Strokes and all that. And so she introduced me. And yes, I learned a lot from reading Lesbian. And I just devoured it. I mean, it was just once I discovered it, I just devoured it. And yeah, I learned a lot from that. And also, I actually learned a lot. There was a series of books out. I don't even know where I found them, but one was called The Sensuous Man, one was called The Sensuous Woman, and one was called The Sensuous Couple. And they were how-to books, basically. And I learned a lot about making love to a woman from reading The Sensuous Man. Oh, interesting. (laughs) So, because, I mean, I didn't have any other, and this was, I read that way before I uh, discovered Lesfig. But, so I I had some ideas about it. But And then, of course, the ideas of what I like sexually you know which is always a good thing to start with I think but lesbic it does it does help in that way and it you know there have been so many things over the years that I've come across in lesbic that I hadn't tried yet that then you know gave me the knowledge or incentive I needed to try it and so Absolutely. If you're going to have a good sex scene that is something I've never read before, I'll get very excited because of exactly that. I'm going to go try it. Do not (laughs) tell tomorrow I told you this. (laughs) (laughs) She's going to get five emails and she's going to be so mad. (laughs) Tara, I know that Lesvik helped you with your coming out. How much of that was like reading the sex scenes and realizing... Hang on. I don't know if this is just more than enjoyment here. Uh, That's a hard question to answer because I was compartmentalizing a lot (laughs) while I was reading. So I, I mean, I've kind of told my story a lot of times, but I I came across that list of lesbian books. I picked up one of them and then another one and then another. And then all of a sudden that was kind of, all I was reading and I did like the books that were explicit and this is while I was still I mean I am still married to Neil like I'm still married to my husband but at that point I was also still involved in an evangelical church and this very much ran counter to you know a lot of what I was hearing at church and it really took one day Neil sitting me down 
And at that point, I was 33, probably, because I had my oldest daughter. I didn't have my youngest yet. And he sat me down and he said, you're reading a lot of these books. Do you think you might be bisexual or something? (laughs) (laughs) And I remember the feeling of panic that I had because I always, always thought, thought, I put in fake quotes, I was straight. And he had to actually tell me, it's okay if you are, you're not going to hell. And I'm not afraid of that. If that's who you are, like, we're going to do this together. And I really needed someone to say that to me because even though, like, yes, the books were a huge part of it. And it was almost like I needed someone to give me permission to, like, look at that part of myself that I had compartmentalized. So the books did a lot of the work. It kind of exposed some of it that might not have been exposed otherwise. But I still needed someone saying, hey, what's up with all that over there? And then afterwards, it was like, oh, right. And so that was pretty much all I read until last year. And I've started to read a little more diversely again. But I found them at a time when alpha males were dominating straight romances. And I was so tired of reading about these assholes who were like, I'm going to tell you what you want and you're going to take it. And I'm like, ugh. Because Neil is not an alpha. He's a really sweet, kind, loving man. (laughs) And relationships like ours are actually reflected way more in the pages of Lesvik. Because they're, like, we have such a balance. There's not, it's not like in mainstream romance where there's this gender imbalance. So, I don't know, it just, like, it just works for me better. And I still don't really read mainstream romance anymore. I might read a paranormal book or I might be picking up sci-fi or nonfiction, but like I don't feel the draw to go back to hetero romances because lesbian romances just work better for me. I also feel like it it's a way that I still get to feel connected and get to feel like I get to kind of express my queerness while being in an opposite sex relationship. That's also really important to me because Not that it's anybody's business, but our relationship is not open, nor are we particularly interested in opening it up at this point in time. We're pretty happy with the way things are. But I still feel like it's important to see an aspect of myself. And so the books helped me do that. And it's also how I found community with so many other queer women around the world. Absolutely. Thank you for spending your time with TLR. We rely on the support of listeners, patrons, and advertisers. So please click on our links to buy. Check out the show notes to find our Patreon link and support our advertisers. You are listening to the Lesbian Review podcast. We bring you the best lesbian books, movies, and music reviews on thelesbianreview.com. So the next point is, should straight women read lesbic to A, learn about sex, or B, just because Lesvik is freaking awesome. Those are your only two options because I believe everyone should read Lesvik. Yeah, I mean, I think absolutely anybody should re- read it. Why not? Like, I am so glad to see more and more people picking up Lesvik who wouldn't have normally. Our books are worthy of mainstream attention. We should be getting um, equal views and frankly, equal dollars. So <laughs> why not? So straight women, uh, I believe, are the biggest audience for male-male romances. Mm-hmm. So my argument is, I don't know why you would want to go there when you can have lesfic, which is just better. So my answer is, yes, because you want to learn about sex, because you will not get better sex education than from lesfic erotic romances, especially like Megan O'Brien romances, where there is a wide variety of kinds of sex that we cover. I also think relationship dynamics are very, very different in romances to straight romances. I've read a couple of straight romances back in the day, and I was not super impressed with them from the relationship dynamic point of view. Well, I I think as readers, I know for me as a reader, I read books 
that I can see myself in or I can relate to something about them. And so if, like I've often wondered about why straight women would be so interested in gay male romances. And one possibility, I certainly don't know this, but one possibility, it's like I spoke to earlier, I read that book, Sensuous Man, and it taught me a lot about how to please a woman sexually. And, you know, that may be part of a straight woman's interest in reading gay romance, because if they're if they're wanting to know how to please a man sexually, you could get that more from gay romance than you're going to get for certainly from lesbian romance. And so that's one possibility. I don't, like I said, I don't know. I don't have any statistics on this and haven't studied it or anything, but it's something that has occurred to me over the years. And like, I even have friends that I had this one friend who read my first book, Threads of the Heart, that has a lot of sex in it because it follows three different couples. And so, you know, there's a lot of sex in it. And she read it and she called me and she said, you know, I want to go out to dinner because I want to talk about your your book. And so I said, okay. So we went out to dinner and she spent pretty much the whole dinner telling me how the sex in my book didn't really do anything for her. Uh Uh-huh. And almost like, you know, maybe she doth protest too much. Like she, like she was afraid she was, I don't know. It was just strange. And so I think, I think some straight women might be threatened by it in some way. Wow. That's interesting. But you have to, you have to have something to relate to in a book. If you look though at who's writing male, male romance that sells the most, it's women. So, I mean, there's this. I, I'm i trying to figure out how to say this without judging or anything because it's not fair, but there is something that seems almost fetishy about the fact that there is this industry of women writing, and it's often straight women, writing male-male romance for straight women, often to the exclusion of male writers as well. Yeah, that, that, that does come off as fetishy. I didn't realize that most male fic- male romances are written by straight women oh yeah i think you're onto something though actually come to think of it because uh and this is not a judgment on all of trans woman romantic fiction but there is there tends to be a fetishism there as well yeah and if you look so if you look at authors names where there's initials used especially for male male romance it's probably a woman probably a woman oh, okay. um and i mean i remember like i did read some when i was reading straight romance as well because it was sort of exploding at that point and i was like okay but i remember seeing other readers at that time talking about how they loved reading that because sometimes they just didn't want to read about vaginas and i'm like you have one what is the problem <laughs> i do not understand um but i will say from like the sex scenes that i read then there was also something it was like you could get rougher with the sex scenes without necessarily going into BDSM territory. Oh, like a Brokeback Mountain thing. Oh, that film disturbed me. I never saw it. But I suspect there might have been something to that as well. Because there wouldn't have necessarily been that same level of roughness mm-hmm. in an opposite sex pairing. I wouldn't think so. There's a series, a mainstream series that I love by Joy W. Hill. And each of the books is about a different couple, but one of the couples that she has a book about is a, is a male couple. And what you just said was true about that book. Those, and the whole series is a BDSM series. So you have that element too, but even in the context of their more traditional side of their relationship, there was, it was rougher. Mm -hmm. So that, that's an interesting point. Yeah. She needs to write more lesbian. She only had that one, I, I, one book. I, I, tried to, I tried to get her to do it, and she said and she didn't see it in the future. So that's <laughs> very sad. <laughs> yeah, I love Divine Solace. That one, that one is excellent. But So basically, what we've learned so far is everybody should read Lesvik. Lesvik is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Sex is important. It's interesting that you came to that conclusion out of this conversation. <laughs> 
It was a new learning. <laughs> Jeannie, honestly, I can I can come to that conclusion based on know, a conversation I, know, I, know. I had with somebody about a dog. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like <laughs> Well listen, the dog really loved that Melissa Braden book that much. That's right, that's right. So everybody should read Lesbic. <laughs> Sex is important in the context of certain books but not all books, and we have to have more diversity in our representation, like the A spectrum, and we have to be clear about what's in the book so that the reviews are not hurting the sales, so that people are expecting the right level. You know what's interesting for me that hasn't come up yet? Speaking of levels of sex and expectations, I think, yes, there is a big group of people who want on page six graphically in all lesbic but the reason it seems like it's a much bigger group than what it actually is is because they're so vocal about it yes yeah people are people like me who just you know can take it or leave it we're not super vocal about whether or not we care Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so i think that there's a skewed perception as well i do too I do. And like I said, it's, it really is up to the reader to, the, to, so there's so many different authors now and so many different types of books. And it's up to the readers to find the authors that write the kinds of books they like and read those and not read the other ones and get mad about it and complain because it wasn't the book they wanted to read. And so there, there is some reader responsibility in here as well as the author responsibility. I have to say something about Perfect Rhythm, because I I read that just recently, about a month and a half ago, I think. And I was so, and I put off reading it for quite a while because of some generalizations I had made, because, you know, it's an asexual character and I like sex in books, so how could there be sex in it? So I finally read it and I was so moved and so touched by that book. And the the asexual character herself first of all the communication in that book was off the charts i just that was so well done to to really talk about learning something from books we read and in this case from lesbic if people could learn from the way those two women communicated all of our relationships would be so much deeper and secondly even the scenes where the I can't remember the names of the characters, and I'm really sorry about that, Jay. The asexual character, the scene where she's telling her partner, you know, what she likes and what she doesn't like and all of that. It was just so tender and so moving. And I thought, man, you know, there are so many times I I would love to just lie and let somebody massage me and touch me and not let it not have it go to sex. You know what I mean? I just loved that book. And, you know, I'm really now anxious to read some more books about asexual characters and seeing how it's handled. And I have such a deeper understanding of that, not the whole spectrum, but the fact that there is a spectrum and, you know, not everybody, not all people who identify as asexual are going to be the same. But it just, it was so educational in addition to being so emotionally moving. And so I just wanted to give that a shout out. Jax Meyer also writes ace characters, in case you're interested. I heard your podcast on that. I was gonna I was gonna get a couple of hers and see what she does with it. Alright, so now we get on, because this is the TLR podcast. It is time. Drum roll, please. For book recommendations. <laughs> okay. Alright, who wants to go first? Oh, uh, Tara, you wanna go first? You want me to go first? I have Three. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I know. Sure you, you do. It? How, Tara? How is this <laughs> even both, possible? Both it's not. It's, it's not. She's, this is just a psych. <laughs> it's possible because last night it was past 11 o'clock and my five-year-old was still not asleep because we let her sleep in yesterday morning and I'm laying there going, go to sleep already and went, oh my God, I didn't pick books. So... I picked three books. <laughs> so here we are. Okay. Please enjoy. That was a very transparent moment. Tara's epic list of three. So rude. You know I could come up with more. I just didn't. 
Okay, so I have two erotic romances, one not erotic romance. So the first is also a Megan O'Brien book, uh, because of course we all love Megan O'Brien and how can we possibly talk about sex and romance without talking about her? Oh no, I'm already going to deviate from three. (laughs) I can feel it happening. It's burgeoning. (laughs) See, see? So the one that I picked is The Sex Therapist Next Door, which is an erotic romance. Um, It has a super unlikable ice queen lead who is the sex therapist. And the thing that I think that's interesting there is that the two characters start having sex not as part of a relationship, but it's more as almost like a business transaction. Because the sex therapist, Diana, has a class that she runs where it's literally a hands-on class. And her usual partner that she has there to demonstrate technique has a massive back injury and won't be able to do it for a while she realizes hey my next door neighbor has a lot of sex which i can hear through these two thin walls maybe maybe so she goes next door asks her hey can you please join this class and i will give you some money per class but like as they are doing this feelings do start to develop and the thing that i think is also particularly masterful in this case is that Sometimes we show up midway through the sex in progress. Sometimes it's done. Sometimes we're there from the beginning. Like there is literally exactly as much of each sex scene as is necessary to deliver the character growth and the relationship growth and the eventual happily ever after. So for me, that book is like a masterclass in effective sex writing. And I highly recommend it. The other one of hers that I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't mention, even though it wasn't on my list. (laughs) (laughs) I might be covering it. (laughs) No, no, you're not. I saw your list. Okay, Um, okay, good. Camp Rewind, which I don't think was one of her most popular. It trends a little more towards traditional romance than erotic. But the, the burn that she builds between the two characters is so good. It takes place at an adult uh, sleepaway camp, which is just a really fun premise. One of the characters has quite bad anxiety, which again, as a person with anxiety, I appreciated seeing. But I loved... I'm trying to think of how to articulate this. I think the whole idea of it being an adult sleepaway camp kind of brings in this fun, almost like when you're a teenager and figuring out how to have sex and you're also at camp and you're doing that you're not supposed to do at camp. Like that whole spirit is brought into the book and is added as this really fun element to the sex. So yes, read that one. Um, Behind the Green Curtain by Riley Lachey is also an erotic romance. There is a lot of sex that happens in this book, but it somehow manages to be explicit, but without any of the words like any of the really explicit words that people might not necessarily like, especially for genitalia. So I I don't know how else to describe it than that. But uh, the thing that I like with this book is that sex is a communication. Um, It's like it's literally language for the two characters. They have sex more than they exchange words, probably. They don't have their first, uh, at least for the first while of the book, they don't have their first kiss until after they've had sex a handful of times which I thought was also really interesting. And so if you took the sex out of that book, it would fall apart. It would make no sense at all. I will put a content warning in that the consent is kind of dubious at first. It's not non-consent, but it is a little questionable. And the scenario is between an employer and an employee. So some people, that's not your jam. Some people, that is your jam. If it's your jam, go get it. And look past the terrible, terrible cover. Oh yeah, please ignore the cover. Uh, Okay, my last book is Didn't Stay in Vegas by Chelsea M. Cameron, which is a... I love Chelsea Cameron's books. They are so fun. And they're typically... All the ones I've read so far have been angst-free. And in this one, it's two best friends who wake up hungover in Vegas. They're there for their friend's bachelorette. And it turns out they got married the night before. And so there's kind of an, what do we do about this? 
And it's kind of clear the the lead character, it's all from her point of view, is like a totally useless lesbian. Like she can't see that her best friend is in love with her, but we can see pretty much immediately. And it's like, oh, you sweet, sweet dummy. (laughs) Like what (laughs) are you doing? And when they finally have sex, it's so good. It's so good. And like everything about their friendship changes at that point. Get that book. So this is a traditional romance. Yes. And the other two are erotic romance. Yes. With the bonus one that is eh, somewhere in between. (laughs) That sounds good. Bonus one. Tara, we love you. (laughs) Right? I am who I am. I learned from Tara. Oh, you did, Jeannie. You did. (laughs) Tara, you should listen to Jeannie's podcast. It was hilarious. (laughs) Wait, which one? The 55 Top Reads podcast. I'm going to go listen to it after this. Did you seriously? Did did I recommend a book that you liked? Oh, I have been blaming you for a lot of things. And uh, <laughs> I think you come up in Jeannie's and I think you came up in Amy's. Yeah. How dare. Anyway. <laughs> I hope it was lovingly. It better. Very. Always, always lovingly. <laughs> okay, Jeannie, take it away. you got traditional romances. I've already mentioned a couple. Uh, Bring Holly Home is a traditional romance that I do highly recommend for people who want no on-page sex. It's a wonderful story. It seems like it's a came from a fan fiction, maybe from Devil War Prada, because there are a lot of similarities in like the house that the one character lives in and their work dynamic and stuff. But it, it really... I think it might have. If not that one, another one of hers absolutely well, I think did. this one did also. So I yeah. think you're right. Because the, the house that the actual executive lives in is very i mean it's the house from the movie the devil war prada oh then yeah and so but the the storyline is is really good holly is the assistant and they're in they're at the fashion show in paris this is all before the book yes it's the and, devil wars prada <laughs> yeah, but she gets left there she has an accident they have a big blow up and the executive thinks holly quit because she'd stormed out the door. And then when it was time to catch the flight home, she didn't show up. And she had an accident, lost her memory. So she was left in Paris. And so the book opens a year later. She's been in a hospital this whole time, not knowing who she was. And something happens that they figure out who she is. And the executive comes back for her. The romance starts from there. And it's really a very well done story. The characters are really good. I highly recommend it especially if you don't want on-page sex scenes. It's a wonderful romance. The second Thursday Afternoons by Tracy Richardson. It is a traditional romance which, with a lot of graphic sex. The premise of that book is the two women meet online and they're both very busy with their careers and stuff. One's a doctor and one's a uh, somebody that goes in and reorganizes businesses to cut back and stuff. And they neither of them want a relationship so they just start meeting they meet on this at a hotel on a thursday afternoon and they have incredible amazing sex again the fantasy and they like it and so they keep doing it every thursday afternoon the intimacy that's built through their sexual encounters is very well done then of course they realize that their lives are overlapped in other ways and it causes a big blow up and all that so you know it has it follows the traditional romance plot but the sexual content is very well done and the the entire book is very well done i really enjoyed it and the third traditional romance sheena do you have my list this foreign affair by hopper bliss yeah i love that book it's part of her pink bean series again it, it has a lot of sex scenes in it which is one of the reasons I picked it for this podcast. But also everything else about it is also very well done. So it's a good read for people who particularly want the sexual content. For the erotic romances, I highly recommend The X Ingredient by Robinson Sinclair. And I just read that book. And it was one of those books, I finished it and immediately, I had the audio book, and I immediately listened to it again. And it... It is a really good example of an erotic romance as we defined it today, because if you take the sex out of that storyline, there's nothing that would bring these two characters together. On the surface level, they seem so opposite and so different. Their lives are eons apart, but the dynamic that they create from their sexual attraction is just really well done. 
and the sex scenes are incredibly hot. So that book also began as a Devil Wears Prada fanfic, but it got completely rewritten making a guess as to why but i'm pretty sure it's because it would like never have made it now that me too has happened because the premise of the fanfic is miranda's assistants have an extra thing that they're supposed to do which is get her off and so when andy finds this out she's like i am gonna rock her world and ruin her life with the best orgasms she's ever had and how andy takes control that way oh that that so wouldn't work yeah uh, I'm glad they changed it because the X ingredient turned out to be such a phenomenal book, in my opinion. I love that book, and so I'm glad th- I'm glad they changed it because I I can't imagine changing anything about the way it turned out. It was just so perfect for neurotic romance. It it'll be a reread of mine for a very very long time, and then my next rec for erotic romance or I think there's two Megan O'Brien books one is The Night Off which will always be a reread for me and I will always recommend it very highly for somebody who's just kind of getting into BDSM dynamics it's not heavy and the plot is very much a love story a, a romance between Nat and Emily but it does incorporate some really fun light BDSM stuff and so that one will always be a recommendation for an erotic romance if, if you're interested in that. And then the second one is Her Best Friend's Sister. I already talked about that a little bit, so I won't go into detail on it. But both of those are, those are two of my favorite Megan O'Brien books, as well as The Sex Therapist Next Door, which I left off my list because I figured Tara was going to cover that one. The strictly erotic novels, one was I already talked about in Helen's Hands. And again, not for not a light read, but a, a really good book. And The Club, yes, by Ale Brooks. That one I highly recommend for anybody who likes lesbian erotica. And it can be it can be read as a short story collection, but it also is tied together. All all of the chapters slash stories are tied together in an in an overreaching arc that that bring the whole thing together, you know, that gives it the context of a novel as well. I thought it was a really clever way to present a short story collection. I did too. You know, when I read the very last page, which is where it all ties in back to the beginning, I was just floored. I was just so impressed with that. Right? I, I just loved it. I thought, oh, that is so cool. But yeah, anybody go out and get Ale Brooks's The Club. It's if you like erotica, lesbian erotica, you will like that because it and it touches on so many different kinds of erotica, which is where the the different short stories come into play. Because there's some that you know between people that are in relationships. There's casual stuff. There's little you know taste of BDSM stuff. It's just a little bit of everything for everybody. And then Give Me Thorns by Elizabeth Andre. Yes, that's one that I never heard of. It won the uh, Goldie for Best Erotica in 17, I think, 16 or 17, 17, I think. And I had never heard of it before that. And it's, again, it's a it's a BDSM story. The reason it isn't a romance is that the two mains, they don't get together. Again, it's more of a kind of a personal journey. But in my opinion, it does have a happy ending. Everybody, everybody is happy at the end. And the main point of view character has expanded herself, basically sexually. And, and you know, she, she is much more comfortable in her own skin by the end of the book. And so it's a good read. But again, and it's a little bit heavier BDSM. And then there's two, one that I just want to mention because it's so good, but it doesn't fully fall into any of these categories. It's not an erotic romance, technically, by the industry definition, because it's a poly relationship. It has three people, but it is a romance between the three people. I will say that. And it's Double Six by Brenda Murphy. And it is really an exceptional book. And it's part of her Rowan House series. So anybody who knows anything about her Rowan House series, it, it is a BDSM book. But the the character work and just everything about it is just so well done. The character work is really, really good. And she does a great job. You're, you're only in one of the character's points of view throughout the whole book. 
but she really manages to convey the other characters very deeply without going into their point of view, which really is a, that's a, that's a masterful skill for an author to develop or to have. And she does a really good job with that. And so that, that I highly recommend. Before we move away from Brenda Murphy, she's doing some really interesting things in the sector just with rep and, and that kind of thing. So shout out to her for that. Yeah, she she's a really good author. She has a she covers a lot of things that are brave. And so I I give her a huge shout out, I agree. And my last book, I put it on the list just because I found it so interesting. It's called Changing Perspectives from by Jen Silver. And what I think is interesting about it is that it's a BDSM novel. I think I find it interesting because you just expect a BDSM novel to be erotica or at least an erotic romance. And yet this book, it has very little on-page sex. Finally, at the very end of the book, you actually get a scene between the two main characters. But, you know, most kink novels, they have a lot of on-page sex in them. And this one doesn't. And I just found that so interesting that Jen Silver would do that. Not in any bad way, certainly, but I just thought it was, it's so unique. And so I wanted to give it a shout out too. Sheena, remember Anastasia? I think Tara's about to say exactly what I was going to say. Anastasia (laughs) Vitsky, right? Her books were like that. Mm. I think there's actually... I don't think I've ever read anything by her. I haven't read that Jen Silver book, so I can't quite comment. But I actually think there's this set is almost like a subset of BDSM. I saw some male female stuff with it like some years ago where it's it's spanking but not sex or like there's some kink but there's not necessarily sex. It's about the control and the the relationship the dominance dynamic. that kind of thing more than, yeah more than the sex. Um Vitsky actually just refused to write any on page sex. And I just I thought that was really interesting. It's an interesting choice. I know. (laughs) It drove me nuts. It drove me nuts because her book was like, it, it, I enjoyed her books that I read. I want to say this before I say anything else. I enjoyed them, but it felt like they were missing something. Like tonally, it felt like it was a miss that there was no sex in them. But at the same time, I'm not an author. It's not fair for me to tell somebody, you have to do this. And again, an author has to write what they're comfortable with. And, you know, I can see an advantage to it to a degree because, BDSM relationships, the dynamic isn't necessarily about sex. It's about the power exchange. It's about the power dynamic that takes place between the people in it. And so that's one thing that I did notice in changing perspectives, that that was able to come out so much more strongly without the sex scenes. Because, you know, once the sex scenes take over, you get the reader gets wrapped up in the sex scene. It's a really good book if, if for anybody who would really like to get a deeper feel for and a deeper look at the strictly the power exchange and the power dynamic that goes on in those types of relationships. And so in that sense, it really stands out because it doesn't have very much on-page sex in it. So I just wanted to give it a shout out because I just thought it was unique. And I'll, I'll look into that other author because... I'd like to read some more of those. But anyway, those are my recs for this podcast. Fantastic. Thank you both for joining me today for a really interesting conversation about sex and lesbic. Jeannie, where can people find you online and what book should they start with if they want lots of on-page graphic sex? If they want lots of on-page graphic sex that is a romance, a traditional romance, they should start with Embracing the Dawn. Uh, that one is very much a traditional romance and there is a lot of sex in it. And then online, you can find me on Facebook, just under Jeannie Levig. And you can either under Jeannie Levig, which is my personal page, or Jeannie Levig Books, if you only want book news. On, I'm on Twitter. And my handle is at Jeannie Levig. I have a author webpage, JeannieLevig.com. And you can email me through my webpage at uh, genie at genielevick.com. So, yeah, any of those, I'm all over the place. So, Thanks, Jeannie. Mm-hmm. Tara, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter, Tara M.D. Scott. 
you can email me at tara at thelesbianreview.com or you can catch my reviews at The Lesbian Reviews, Lambda Literary, or Smart Bitches Trashy Books. High five! That was a good podcast. Thank you both. <laughs> Very good. Thank you so much. I think it was great. This has been The Lesbian Review Podcast. Find more information on our guests in the show notes as well as links to what we spoke about on this episode. And if you enjoy this podcast and want to see us creating more awesome content, then consider becoming a patron. Not only does this mean that we can keep doing what we do, but you will get exclusive content that doesn't appear anywhere else. You can find out all about it on patreon.com slash thelesbianreview. The link is in the show notes. That's all for this episode. Bye.